do the Bible, Hogwarts, disciples, and Dementors all have in common? This podcast. Welcome to the Gospel According to Harry Potter, a podcast for Potterheads, Jesus freaks, and everyone in between. My name is Ashley, and together we'll examine the entire Harry Potter series, chapter by chapter, through a biblical lens, looking for insights into Harry Potter from a Christian worldview and insights into real life from a wizarding worldview. So grab your favorite Harry Potter book, your go-to Bible translation, and maybe a mug of warm butterbeer and get ready to explore the wizarding world like never before. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Gospel According to Harry Potter. I'm Ashley, the muggle behind the mic, and of course, I'm so excited to be back to continue our journey through the Harry Potter series. I don't know if you guys have been having as much fun as me, but as I've told you before, and I'll say it again, this podcast is my dream come true. So I'm really enjoying every second of it, and I'm excited today to discuss chapter four of Harry Potter with you. But before we get started, just a couple of quick reminders. As I go through the recap of the chapter, when you hear the word lumos, it means I'm shining a light on a biblical element in the story. I'm also going to do my best to avoid any major Harry Potter series spoilers just on the off chance that any of you are new to the series, but I will be getting into detail about chapter four in this episode, Uh, so make sure that if nothing else, you've at least read up through chapter four of Sorcerer's Stone so that I don't spoil anything there for you. And again, this is an excellent opportunity to reread Harry Potter with me. If you are a longtime fan like me, I'm hoping that this will make your adventure through the books a new experience. I'll also be discussing Christianity from a mature biblical worldview, so I'll include any scriptural references in the show notes in case you want to dig deeper on your own. And if you have any questions about anything we discuss today, please feel free to DM me on Instagram at Gospel According to Harry Potter, and I'll be happy to answer your questions or uh, join in a conversation with you there. And of course, as a brand new podcast, I appreciate if you would like, follow, share this podcast with your friends. And if you like what you hear, please leave a friendly review. Uh, Word of mouth is the best way to spread podcasts. So I really appreciate any time you would talk about this podcast with your friends and let them know if you think that they might be interested in joining us. All right, well, let's jump into Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone by J.K. Rowling, Chapter 4, The Keeper of the Keys. We last left Harry huddled on the floor of a hut on a rock at sea. The clock had just struck midnight on his 11th birthday, and there had been a tremendous boom at the door. So Chapter 4 picks up in the same spot with someone banging ominously at the door. The Dursleys wake up, and Uncle Vernon comes downstairs armed with a shotgun. Suddenly, the door is knocked off its hinges, and in walks a massive giant of a man with a wild beard and hair. There's a lot of humor in this part because despite the obvious fear of the Dursleys, the giant responds with quippy remarks and total disregard, making himself comfy on the couch and addressing Harry. He says that he last saw Harry as a baby, but that he looks a lot like his father, except for having his mother's eyes. Vernon threatens him with the gun, and the giant twists the barrel of the gun into a knot before again turning his attention to Harry. He tells him he has something for him, and reveals a squashed birthday cake with Happy Birthday Harry written on it. Now guys, I'm not going to lie here, I experienced the Mandela effect 
in this moment. I totally expected happy birthday to be spelled wrong, but it's not. I guess that's one example of how the Harry Potter films have totally infiltrated the narrative. In the movies, happy birthday is spelled totally wrong, and even all the merch in the stores is spelled wrong. But in the book, Hagrid has spelled everything perfectly. So good job, Hagrid. After introducing himself to Harry, Hagrid unloads his coat pockets with everything he needs to make a pot of tea on the fire he somehow created in the empty grate. When he starts cooking sausages, Vernon cautions Dudley not to accept anything from this stranger, to which Hagrid pretty nastily responds that Dudley is fat enough as it is. Now guys, I'm going to tell you, this is one of the things in the Harry Potter series that I think has not aged very well. When the first book was published back in the 90s, I can remember that fat jokes were unfortunately really common in pop culture. I mean, there wasn't a day in public school where you didn't hear someone say, your mama's so fat, um, and finish it up with something really mean. And I mean, think about it. Even the show Friends had that constant joke about Fat Monica, for example. So it just feels awkward now that we're living, you know, after the body revolution. And I'm so glad that we are. So... Yeah, whenever I go back and reread the Harry Potter books, all the fat jokes about Dudley are just super rude and uncomfortable. And so, yeah, just wanted to point that out. That didn't age very well. Anyway, as Hagrid and Harry eat the sausages, Harry asks why Hagrid's there. And he says that he's the keeper of keys at Hogwarts. And oh my gosh, another Mandela effect for moment for me. I totally would have said keeper of keys and grounds because that's what Hagrid says in the movies. But wow, apparently he's just keeper of keys. When Harry says he doesn't know what Hogwarts is and asks what Hagrid means when he says, quote, did you never wonder where your parents learned it all? Unquote. Hagrid explodes at the Dursleys for keeping the wizarding world a secret from Harry all these years. And he says that Harry knows nothing about anything. And Harry's response here is another great example of how book Harry has so much more personality than film Harry. He gets kind of indignant and says that he does know some things like math. <laughs> like, it's just a funny moment that I wish they would have included in the movies. Hagrid alludes to Harry and his parents being famous, and then asks, doesn't Harry know what he is? At this point, Vernon interrupts, saying, quote, I forbid you to tell the boy anything. Lumos. Keeping secrets. This is an interesting topic to explore biblically, because I found two different views about keeping secrets demonstrated in scripture. The book of Proverbs actually seems to defend the idea of keeping secrets in multiple verses. Here are just a few. Uh, Proverbs 11:13 says, "The one who goes about slandering others reveals secrets, but the one who is a trustworthy conceals a matter." Proverbs 12:23 says, "The shrewd person conceals knowledge, but foolish people proclaim folly." And Proverbs 13:3 says, "The one who guards his words guards his life. Whoever is talkative will come to ruin." So in these and a lot of other verses about keeping secrets, the issue of gossip is actually in view. What the Bible is saying is that spreading other people's business without their permission is not okay. So if a friend tells us something in confidence, then we're not supposed to go around talking about it. I mean, that's, that's pretty, you know, standard morality there, right? So I think it's safe to say that Vernon's attitude here has nothing to do with guarding someone's private business out of love for them or out of discretion or any sort of moral conviction. 
His reasons for keeping Harry's past a secret are more selfish, and he's definitely trying to hide the truth rather than protect a confidence. So that's different, right? So what does the Bible say about that kind of secret keeping? Well, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, it says, Therefore, having laid aside falsehood, each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, because we're members of one another. I think this definitely relates more to the wrong Vernon has done by keeping this major secret from Harry. Laying aside falsehood means not lying, and we already know that the Dursleys have consistently lied to Harry about how his parents died. And the idea of telling the truth to your neighbor because we're members of one another has to do with respecting each other as family. And in this case, Harry is literally family, a blood relative. So they definitely acted wrongly by lying to him all these years. But even in this moment, Vernon is so concerned with how the truth might affect him that he continues to try to stop Hagrid from finally revealing the truth to Harry Potter. Knox. Harry, you're a wizard. Yup, it's another quote that I am willing to bet you remembered wrong because the movie changed Hagrid's iconic line to, you're a wizard, Harry. And so now I bet you can hear Harry's memorable and often memed response, I'm a what? (laughs) So anyway, in the book, he actually says, Harry, you're a wizard. And at this point, Hagrid finally presents Harry with an envelope addressed to, quote, Mr. H. Potter, the floor, hut on the rock, the sea, end quote. Finally, Harry gets to open his Hogwarts letter. Now, the letter itself is really short. It just says that Harry has been accepted to Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry and that term starts on September 1st. Hagrid scrawls a note to Dumbledore saying that he has successfully delivered the letter, but once again, Vernon intervenes saying that Harry absolutely will not be going to Hogwarts. The next scene has always made me feel so sad for Petunia. When Harry's surprised that his aunt and uncle knew the truth but didn't tell him, Petunia goes into this rant about her sister Lily, and it is full of the unmistakable signs of jealousy of her sister's acceptance and admiration, and ultimately, judgment for her differences. Lumos. Jealousy and Judgment. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 4 says, Wrath is cruel and anger is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? This verse is actually kind of bone-chilling to me. It emphasizes that jealousy is way more dangerous than wrath and anger. And I think this is partly because while wrath and anger are destructive to others, jealousy is also the one that self-destructs. Poor Petunia is visibly eaten up with jealousy that her sister got to go to a special school and that their parents received the news with pride and often bragged about Lily. And I think it's not hard to imagine being a little kid and finding out that your sibling has magical powers that you don't have. I mean, that would be the worst. I'm not going to lie. I I think I would be pretty jealous if my little sister had gone to Hogwarts and I found out I was just a muggle, you know, like that, that stinks, right? So I actually feel a lot of compassion for Petunia because I'm sure that that would be a really hard thing to swallow. But my compassion for her ends where her judgment begins. She goes on in the rant to declare that she just assumed Harry would be, quote, just as strange, just as as abnormal, end quote, as his mother. So now we've moved out of the realm of just jealousy into judgment, with her asserting that the differences Lily possessed made her somehow weird and abnormal. Romans chapter 14, verse 10 says, Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. 
In the context of this verse, Paul is warning us not to judge fellow Christians for having different convictions. But I want to zoom in on the final statement that we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. This means that God is the ultimate judge, and it's not our place to judge others. Now, I could spend hours dissecting the nuances of speaking the truth in love and holding each other accountable, etc., etc. But for now, let's stick to the truth that it's not our job to judge people for their differences. As we can see in Petunia's case, this sort of discrimination leads not only to the unfair treatment of others, but ultimately to the deterioration of our own character. Knox. When Petunia finally admits that Harry's parents had been, quote, blown up, end quote, and Harry questions the lie he'd always been told about them dying in a car crash, Hagrid explodes in anger. When it comes down to it, Hagrid realizes he would have to be the one to tell Harry the truth. He says, quote, ah, Harry, I don't know if I'm the right person to tell you, but someone's gotta. You can't go off to Hogwarts not knowing. Lumos. Someone's gotta. Do you remember who first introduced you to Harry Potter? For me, it was my amazing mama. I remember her coming home from work one day with a surprise for me and my sister, and it was a little-known book called Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. I had never heard of it, uh, but being a book lover, I immediately cracked it open, and, you know, the rest is history. Here I am. Uh, at the age of 40, recording a Harry Potter podcast and still reading and rereading these books over and over. But I still have that exact copy of the book. It is dearly loved, it is looking its age, and it is proudly displayed on my shelf. It's, it's one of my most valued possessions, actually. Now, do you remember who first introduced you to Jesus? I did a little poll about this on Instagram, and the overwhelming response was, Mom's! Like me, many of the people I heard from shared that they first heard the gospel from their mamas. So even as a little kid, if nothing else, I knew the song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. My mom sang that song to me all the time. And after all, that is just a really basic introduction to the gospel, right? So if you're not familiar with the gospel, let me encourage you to go back and listen to episode three because I did spend a lot of time there talking about that. But for now, I want to talk about sharing the gospel with other people. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, it says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making his plea through us. We plead with you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Paul is telling his Corinthian audience that we Christians have a responsibility as ambassadors for Christ to tell other people the good news about Jesus. And guys, this can be really awkward and scary for a lot of people, including for me. Like, I wouldn't necessarily call myself an evangelist, um, at least not in the sense that I'm comfortable, you know, walking up to strangers and asking if they know Jesus. And hey, if you're good at doing that, more power to you. I, I cannot. For me, I actually feel a lot like Hagrid. Like, I'm not sure if I'm the right person to tell you, but someone's gotta. In the book, Hagrid's conversation here with Harry is absolutely pivotal. The plot can't continue without it. So in the same way, the little awkward conversations we have with other people about the gospel of Christ is so pivotal in the story of their lives. Think about the person or the people who talked to you about Jesus and really helped you understand the good news. Or think about the people you've seen living their lives as followers of Jesus and how that's taught you by example. It's so necessary. 
Ultimately, sharing the gospel isn't just a fun idea. It's, it's a command. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, which is often referred to as the Great Commission, Jesus says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. The last command Jesus gave his disciples before ascending to heaven was to share the good news with all people and teach them how to follow him. And I love that he didn't abandon us to do this on our own strength either. He reminds us that he's with us always, and he actually sent his Holy Spirit to dwell inside us, which is huge when you're trying to find the right words to share his love. I do want to say something that might be kind of a hot take, but I think it needs to be said. When people go around shouting that this and that person are going to hell for this and that reason, guys, I don't believe that's a great way to share the gospel. Remember that the good news focuses on the positive, the fact that we're all invited to heaven. So deeper conversations about the theological topic of hell can certainly be had, but I don't think it's a great intro. Let's get out there and share the gospel with all the excitement and eagerness of inviting people to like the best party ever, right? So today I invite you to stop and think about who God has placed in your sphere of influence. Maybe you have kids or nieces and nephews. Maybe it's coworkers, maybe it's friends, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your parents. Put yourself in Hagrid's very large shoes and look around. You might not be sure if you're the right person to tell him, but someone's gotta. Knox. So now Hagrid tells Harry the story of an evil dark wizard called Voldemort and how he gained power and would kill people who refused to go over to his side. He wonders if maybe Voldemort was trying to recruit Harry's parents, or if he just wanted them out of the way, but he killed them when Harry was just a year old. He goes on to say that Voldemort also tried to kill Harry, but for some mysterious reason, the curse didn't work on Harry, and Voldemort vanished. He explained that the lightning scar on Harry's forehead is the mark of evil curse that failed to kill him all those years ago. Now, at some point, Uncle Vernon pipes up and starts ranting about how he always knew Harry would be weird and strange like his parents and how they got what they deserved. Hagrid threatens Vernon, who quickly shuts up again, and Hagrid continues to explain how no one knows what happened to Voldemort the night the curse backfired. But he ominously says that he thinks Voldemort is probably still out there somewhere waiting. At the end of the explanation, Harry's left feeling like there must be some mistake. He thinks of the miserable life he's lived with the Dursleys, thinking how, if he really had any magic, how could they have bullied him so easily all his life? When he actually voices this concern, Hagrid asks if Harry ever had weird things happen that he couldn't explain. And of course, we remember that Harry had, in fact, had many strange things happen, including the snake fiasco at the zoo. At this point, Vernon interrupts again, refusing to send Harry to Hogwarts, and he makes the mistake of insulting Dumbledore. At this point, Hagrid gets serious. That is the one person he won't stand to hear insulted. Lumos. Never insult him in front of me. Y'all, I'm a millennial, okay? So I love a good roast as much as the next guy. Uh, like most people in my generation, I can dish it out and I can usually take it. But there's one person that I just can't tolerate being insulted in front of me. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7 says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold guiltless anyone who takes his name in vain. 
Of all the Ten Commandments, it seems like this one is the most often broken. Our culture is full of slander against God. And I've gotten to the point where I have no tolerance for it. Now, like, don't get me wrong. I can laugh at funny Christian memes and lighthearted stuff like that. But when people outright make fun of God or insult Jesus, I'm not having it. And I don't say that in a manner of judgment. Other people's relationship with God is their business and his. But just like Hagrid couldn't stand for someone he respected so much to be insulted, I am majorly bothered when people or movies or TV shows or even popular card games spew outright disrespect for Jesus. It's, it's a deep reaction because I have a relationship with him. So just like I wouldn't sit by and let someone talk smack about my husband or my children or my friends— It's the same. I love Jesus more than life itself. So I can't just sit there and listen to people make fun of him or disrespect him without piping up and saying something. As Joshua 24 verse 15 says, And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, then choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Knox. Unfortunately, Hagrid takes out his anger at Vernon's insult on Dudley. He waves his umbrella at him, and suddenly a pig's tail sprouts on his backside. Hagrid asks Harry not to tell anyone about this, as he's not allowed to do magic, because he was expelled from Hogwarts in his third year. When Harry asks why he was expelled, Hagrid evades the question and says that it's time to get some sleep. And on that mysterious note, we reach the end of Chapter 4. Woo! Well, that was actually a lot to unpack in one chapter. I hope you enjoyed this discussion. I would love for you to join the conversation with me. So make sure you're following my Instagram at Gospel According to Harry Potter because I do often post questions and polls in the stories that um, help me kind of do a little a little light research for my episodes. Also, if you have any questions about today's chapter, please feel free to DM me there on Instagram and I'm happy to respond. And again, if you're enjoying this podcast as much as I am, I just want to thank you so much for being here. Um, if you have listened from the beginning and you've made it through four episodes with me, I mean, that's that's just huge. It's a really big deal to me. Um, it's a blessing to me. So I just want to say thank you. I, I feel the love. I feel the love. <laughs> so I appreciate it. And uh, I'm just having so much fun. So I will be back next time as we continue our read-through of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone by J.K. Rowling. Next episode, we'll be looking at Chapter 5, Diagon Alley. So until then, stay close to Jesus, and don't let the muggles get you down. Bye! Bye.